Hey everyone, just a quick note before we get started that ACSA's ninth annual convention and vendor trade show in New Orleans is right around the corner at the end of July. Head to AmericanCraftSpirits.org to register, see the full convention schedule, learn more about pre-convention opportunities, and much, much more. We hope to see you there. Thanks. It's great product placement. I haven't paid a dime for it. It's all through friends, which is lucky because of my last career. Um, and, and it helps. People come into the tasting room all the time and goes, you know, I want that bourbon Sam Elliott drinks on the ranch. <laughs> and I love that. From the American Craft Spirits Association and Craft Spirits Magazine, this is the Craft Spirits Podcast. I'm John Page. And today on the program, Rugged, Refined, Rebellious. That's the tagline for 291 Colorado Whiskey of Colorado Springs. And our guest today is the distillery's founder and owner, Michael Myers. At ACSA's convention in Louisville last December, he joined Jeff Cialetti and me for a wide-ranging conversation about his path to making whiskey. A former fashion and beauty photographer who was in New York on 9-11, Michael launched 291 in 2011. We also discussed the distillery's distribution footprint, the ins and outs of copywriting a cocktail, what it's like to see his bottles on TV shows, and the distillery's new space. I used to live in the Springs, and the distillery's former tasting room was one of my favorite places to grab a drink. So to kick things off, I asked Michael to tell us more about the new location, which opened in January of 2021. Um, we were originally in a 12,000 square foot space. I mean. 7,000 square foot space and uh, grow, growing we grew out of it um, probably a year ago um, but we didn't find a new space and uh, my real estate broker called me up and said I've got a space for you it used to have a distillery in it um, so a lot of a lot of the fire code and all was already done which was amazing and and helped with expense um, so we moved into 12,000 square feet, and um, we take over another 14,000 square feet in May, um, mainly barrel storage for that. Um, but growth, we are... Um, Is that in the same spot, or...? Yes, okay, it's just a wall apart, So, which is great. And that's kind of why we took the space. Uh, we knew we, we needed more space, and um, so we, we moved in January... I think 15th or something, um, started, you know, piping, all kinds of stuff, and um, were able to mash in March 17th um, in that space. And before we moved, we were doing 250 gallons a, a week, um, two and a half days um, producing. And um, early on, um, probably by April, mid-April or so, we were at 500 gallons producing five days a week and now we're at um 600 gallons a week um we added one more day of production so it's going really well uh you you had such a cool consumer experience at the old distillery just you know walk in and it kind of feels like you're in this old west bar and instead of your merchandise being stacked up in a corner gaining dust as you, you used to tell me uh it was painted up on the wall so I, i'm curious like Especially given that you were moving, like, you know, during a pandemic, uh, 
But what is what does the consumer space look like there now? Uh, what are the plans for that in the future as well? Um, so the retail consumer space is is similar. It's the exact same bar. Um, I I catty cornered it when you walk in. So it's it's not a small as small a space. And I actually was looking at it the other day, wanting to make it more intimate somehow. Um, because the the back room is not walled off now, so you walk in and there to your right there's a big you know open area where you can sit down and have cocktails and stuff. Um, the Mark Twain quote is painted on the wall, um, similar to the old space. We have not painted the merchandise yet. Um, we hope to do that. Um, it's a friend of mine paints it, so she's been doing a lot of other artwork that she does. Um, she's a fine artist, and um, we just need to get her back in there. I did um, cut out one of the one of the um, paintings of the merch from the other space um, to keep it as a piece of art because it's it's really a piece of art. It's a baseball tee shirt, um, and so yeah. So, so, like, you cut out a piece of drywall. I did. Yeah. <laughs> I did. <laughs> nice. Uh, and and you've also uh, expanded into into more states. So how how many states are you in right now? And uh, you know, where what are some of the ones that you're most excited about that you've branched out into? Yeah. So I'm going to back up to the tasting room again. Um, it, it I built it. It's supposed to be temporary. Um, until we take over the bigger space. But we've put a lot of room, a lot into it. So now I'm trying to configure it and leave it as, as the space. So, okay. But um, we'll see. Um, I'd like to rearrange it a little bit, make it, like I said, more intimate. But um, to move forward on um, states we're in, we are um, in 18 states Um now, uh, through a few different type of uh, distribution partners, um, we, we kind of are experimenting and see which ones we like the best. Um, we are um, we have e-commerce on, through our website um, with a third party. So through that, I think we're in 31 states that can be shipped to, which is amazing. Um, what am who am I excited about? Um, so as we well know, uh, certain states are franchise states, and you don't want to go with the wrong distributor when you go into one of those states because you can be just shut down and and never sell a bottle in that state. Um, and I'm f- born and raised one of those states, and that that is Georgia. And so for the last 10 years of doing this, I've been really um, cautious about going into Georgia um, because it's one my home state, and I don't want to be shut down in my home state. And we um, we did a deal franchise state um, Arkansas Wine and Spirits. They're great. Um, so th- you know we have a nice contract with them. And and then uh, Georgia Crown came around. We had a couple other Georgia um, distributors look at us or talk to us, and um, kind of uh, just wasn't right. And Georgia Crown came along, and um, they I think they were a no at first. And they were like, no. And um, my team revisited them with them. And they go, yes. And, and they brought 
double what they had planned to bring in when they said no. <laughs> so oh, wow. we were really excited about that. But um, they have been an incredible partner. Um, they've brought in a bunch of pallets. They've sold a bunch of whiskey, got it in all kinds of stores in Georgia. Um, all my high school friends, college friends are so excited. Um, we went down there and launched, and I had a small party, and a bunch of old friends showed up, and it was even an old art teacher, which was an amazing thing. And um, But they, they have been an incredible partner, and I'm very excited about Georgia. And with that said, Tennessee, we had a family farm in Tennessee outside of Shelbyville, um, Flat Creek, Tennessee, and that's real close to Jack Daniels and, and George Dickel. So was excited to go into Tennessee. My brother is a surgeon in Jackson, Tennessee, and has a liquor store, and he's like, when are we getting it? So um, Georgia Crown has a Tennessee arm, and it's called um, Tennessee Crown. And so we went with them and excited about that. Um, my brother's got it in his store, went there, signed bottles um, the weekend before Thanksgiving, sold 40 bottles out. It was awesome. Um, so those are the two states at the moment that I'm really excited about. Um, you know, California continues to grow um, through LibDib. We love LibDib um, online platform distribution. Cheryl Jersey is an amazing woman, does amazing things. Um, we actually, uh, Colorado this year, um, we went to a distributor, and we self-distributed in Colorado for nine years. And... Um, LibDib came along in Colorado, and we were like, okay, we can, we can make it work. And we got, I, I believe we are over 800 accounts in Colorado, and um, they were blown away by uh, the number of accounts and the number of those are active accounts, and, and they didn't believe it until we showed them, and, you know, they, we started selling through them. And um, it's been an amazing partnership, so that was a nice transition um, because I was really worried about that because there was a lot, as you self-distribute in Colorado, there's a lot of cash um, that I had to give up um, to bring on a partner. But we were having issues with um, delivery um, where my sales team were delivering as they took an order. But they had to, you know, only carry so many cases in a car, things like that. And, and so it was slowing them down. Um, and so it allowed us to move the shipping to uh, a a truck and stuff like that so it's awesome it's been really really good that's great yeah and so are your your uh your old friends in georgia and tennessee essentially like your sales staff there <laughs> is uh, that hopefully yeah. hopefully <laughs> i think i think um are they expecting a commission yeah yeah <laughs> well we we have a nice deal that way um we we've find some um people throughout every state we're in and and we do pay commission and use them. Um, some of them are freelance. Some of them are employed. Um, but it's a. It's you know. I think being self distribution in Colorado for so long and building that from the ground up, and then having Philip Raleigh take it over and and grow it even more, and now um, Max Ferguson and and the team in Colorado, um, it it taught us a lot about distribution and and how to do it differently um, a little bit and and mm -hmm. go against the traditional, um, the big guys, and, and 
you know, um, we're with uh, RNDC in Texas, and uh, actually that just changed. We're with LibDiv now in Texas, and RNDC in Kentucky, and so we've had we've done every model um, that you can do, and it, it you know we've learned a lot from all of them. Yeah, I'm so I'm curious. You're uh, I, th- I think you've just celebrated your 10 year anniversary, right? That's correct. Yeah. September 11th, okay. 2011, yeah. or, or uh, 2021. And uh, and kind of, I guess numerology has a, a, a couple of meanings for the distillery because it's there's some tie in to to 911, and then also 291 it refers to uh, this art show, art gallery, yeah, photo or photo gallery. gallery. That's yeah. the word I was looking for because you are a photographer. So uh, if you could just kind of br- uh, briefly tell. You know that story of of the two nine one connection, and then also the the nine eleven. Yeah. Um, so I was a fashion beauty photographer in New York, and nine uh, eleven happened. I lived three blocks from the World Trade Center. I was on uh, Greenwich and Duane when the first plane hit. Um, my ex wife's parents lived in Colorado Springs, so we moved there. I commuted back for photography, and. Um, and got to a point where I needed to do something different. And I read an article about the guy that created Hendrix Gen and Sailor Jerry, Stephen Goss, and on a flight back from a Vanity Fair shoot. And um, thought I could brand a whiskey, and someone said, why don't you try and make it? I'm from Georgia. They make it in the woods. How hard can it be? <laughs> um, and, and, and here I am 10 years later uh, with a many accolades it's been amazing um 291 was the very first photo gallery ever in the world alfred stieglitz 291 fifth avenue um and and i moved into i went to savannah college of art and design for photography and i moved into my dorm room before i learned of the gallery and my dorm room was 291 and so then i learned about the gallery so i kept the key i have the key to this day and um I went on to uh, distillation. I had never brewed beer or distilled and um, taught myself. And I um, needed a still, and I built my still out of photogravure plates. Um, And so having that still, the process of uh, distillation reminded me of the darkroom. I thought 291 would be a good name. The funny thing about that is 291 pops up a lot. There's a highway... um, in Colorado, 291, uh, <laughs> um, P.T. Woods and Lee Woods have uh, Woods Distilling, and it's on Highway 291 in Colorado. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, but also, I was just at the Ritz-Carlton in Miami and checked in, and um, the room was 921. And, wow. And I, uh, and I asked. Uh, it's like something out of The Shining. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I asked my, uh, speaking of that, um, I asked the guy uh, that I was doing the event with from the hotel and said, was this done on purpose? And he's like, no. <laughs> he goes, that's really weird. And so, yeah, it's kind of funny. Um, speaking of The Shining. Oh, that's uh, a great segue. <laughs> I love every conversation that begins speaking of The Shining. <laughs> Um, Estes Park is where that hotel is, um, the the Stanley Hotel. The, and, the gateway uh, to the uh, Colorado uh, Rocky Mountain National Park, yeah, yeah, Estes Park, yeah. 
and my name being Michael Myers. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then actually my first name's Jason. And, oh my uh, God, you're like double the, the <laughs> slasher here. Yeah, so I get that every day. Every time I show my credit card people, or my license, people are like, what? You don't have a Freddy in there too, do you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Philip keeps trying to rename me that way. Um, but yeah, I, I actually went to the Stanley early on because I read about their huge uh, whiskey bar and uh, met this man, Jimmy Kutch. And I sat and waited for him for about an hour. And he tasted my whiskey and I literally had had been making whiskey a year and um he he bought back then it was uh uh 12 pack cases nine liter cases and he bought every product i had and went on to sell more whiskey than anybody in colorado um for years and Uh, he always loved that it was Michael Myers, um, you know, up at the Stanley. So I spent a few nights up there having a lot of fun. And when I ha- would have a new release of Bad Guy Bourbon or something like that, one of my allocated products, uh, I'd take it up there and we'd drink all night and have a lot of fun. He now works for me. He sells, uh, he's my mountain rep. He sells a ton of 291 in Colorado. Um, he's crushing it. Um, was really nice for him to come come along I, I didn't steal him um he moved on and moved to hawaii and then came back and and we hired him and he's been with us three or four years and it's it, he's crushing it so um now you you talked uh, i kind of wanted to jump back a little bit because you had talked about uh distribution uh you're in 31 states now are you doing any exporting or are there any plans for exporting so we are in Canada as of this year. Um, we exported up to Evergreen. Um, they came and and searched us out, and we met with them and had a really good meeting, and uh, they were very excited. So we shipped whiskey up there. It took a little while. Um, there's a lot of rules and regulations like everything, and um, getting it exported and or them importing it takes a lot. Um, and it's doing really well. Um, we really like the team up there. It's a good partnership. Um, the UK, I, I, back in 2018, um, um, Maverick Drinks, um, Master of Malts, imported uh, a pallet, and then the tariffs hit. And so we haven't uh, exported anything there lately. We're working on that right now. Um, we did a half a pallet to Germany, working on that a little bit. Um, and then having conversations with some people from uh, uh, importer in Asia, um, excited about that. Um, I think my whiskey, the bottle, the Western style of my whiskey and the bottle shape and stuff really uh, will do well in that kind of market. Yeah. Um, so, did you did you recognize any of uh, your spirits in in the cocktails last night? Because yours was. The, the biggest donation, which we're very appreciative of. <laughs> yeah, um, we did. Um, <laughs> Hannah came running up to me and said it was in the old fashioned and gave me one, and um, it was a great cocktail. Um, you know, it's easy for me um, to some extent to donate whiskey, especially for things like this. And um, I just, you know, when people people ask, we we want to help. Um, so, and I know that helps, you know, um, 
we don't want to run out of whiskey in at ACSA. Right? Well, we, then we certainly didn't, thanks to you. Yeah. So thanks. <laughs> You're very welcome. Our well, pleasure. Let, let's talk a little bit about specifically about some of your whiskeys. Um, you you all do some some fun things with you know Aspen staves. Um, so, so talk a, a little bit about some of your favorite products right now. Yeah, so Aspen Stave, all my whiskeys finished on Aspen Stave, at least the aged product. Um, one of the white products, 291 Fresh, is uh, filtered through uh, Aspen Charcoal. And, the, and then the 291 Colorado Rye Whiskey White Dog doesn't touch Aspen at all. I don't know why I did that, but it doesn't. <laughs> um, but everything else is finished on Aspen, so toasted pieces of Aspen would go in the barrel or go in a tank in our small batch for about three weeks. And it adds a little bit of a spice, a little smoke, and a little um, pushes the caramel notes to maple a little bit. Um, I wanted Aspen on the label for marketing because of Colorado. Um, And so I experimented um, and and liked what it did. A lot of people feel that my whiskey tastes different um, because of that. And it does taste a little different, but... More the the shape of my stills, the shape of my stripping still is what um, ad, changes the flavor of my whiskey. And and I love Kentucky bourbon, I love Tennessee whiskey, and I really set out to make a Colorado whiskey, something big, bold, and beautiful. Um, I think I did. Um, rugged, refined, rebellious, like me. Um, and and I think it it translates really well and is a very pretty whiskey. Um, things i'm doing um i always experiment i have the e label um, my experimental batch label and um, we've got a couple of them going on right now um but i i have a allocated 291 bad guy which is a four four grain weeded bourbon and it's it's won a lot of awards it's really really nice whiskey it was my third recipe ever um and and i was looking at it and thinking about it probably a year ago now and was like why why not i've never heard of anybody making a four grain rye whiskey so i decided to take that recipe and flip it and make the corn rye and then keep the weed um as a second grain so it's a four grain rye weeded whiskey um and then the corn is only like nine percent and the and malt barley's three percent and um it the white dog came off the still and it was so impressive um kind of like the first time the the bad guy came off the still the white um i was like oh my god this is amazing whiskey and this one came off the still the same way and was just like, it's so pretty. So the white dog's so good. I cannot wait till it's ready in a barrel. How, how many, how long are you looking for that? Well, um, I, I do age in 10 gallon barrels for most of my whiskey. Um, so that's usually 12 to 18 months. Um, we'll probably push it a little bit. Um, the, the rye, the heavy rye can take a little longer in a barrel. So um, we'll, probably get closer to 18 months but we'll taste it along the way i'm excited about it um and i also did a weeded bourbon i took my bourbon recipe which was my very first recipe and uh made it a weeded bourbon 
um, and the white dog came off the still again amazingly soft pretty whiskey white dog um, and I'm I'm really excited about that as well so and I have plans with with that if um, some things that I can't talk about yet but it'll come out as an E and and if the things that I'm working on right now happen um, I would probably transition those two whiskeys to that label so we'll see it would should you, be fun. Would you would you release any of it unaged? Do you want to? Do you have any plans to do that at all? Some of it. Um, I I would. Um, I I have to make it again to do that. Um, as you know, as I know, and and I'm sure a lot of people around here and uh, distillers know that one having one white whiskey in your in your skews. Um, is hard enough to sell. Having two is really hard. And having four would just be, I don't know. But we'll see. Um, we sell a ton of white whiskey in Colorado, and it's starting to go into other states. Um, working in Miami, um, I, I trademarked um, Whiskerita, um, which is the fifth uh, cocktail to ever be trademarked in the world. Uh, dark and Stormy, Sazerac, Painkiller, and Hand Grenade, and now the Whiskerita. And I was in Miami uh, last week before coming here, and um, uh, we're getting ready to um, sell a lot of white whiskey in Miami, which I'm really excited about. What does that process to trademark a cocktail look like? <laughs> Call your attorney. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, um, you can do it yourself. It's a lot of work. Um, but you can go on the uh, U.S. trademark uh, website and walk through it, or you can find an attorney. Um, if it if it goes smoothly, um, it's somewhere around um, two thousand twenty five hundred dollars to trademark it. Um, but it can get kicked back, and then if you're going through an attorney, you have to you know fight it or decide to just walk away from it. Um, I had to do that with bad guy. I tried to trademark bad guy, and um, another uh, tequila company had it um, bad guy in Spanish on their tequila, and so that was an issue, and so I had to abandon that. So then, do you like set up a Google alert for the thing that you've trademarked to like then go seek you know put put your lawyer on them? Yeah. So yeah. Um, it, it, that all depends, but you you trademark it, you get the trademark, and then you have to decide um, what how aggressive you're going to be on that brand or that mark. And like 291, I'm aggressive on it. Um, Whiskerita, if they're not using fresh, and I find out about it, I'll definitely send a letter. Um, if it's on a menu, you know, um, I know that Gosling's was really uh, back in the day aggressive and it kind of hurt them a little bit um so it it, it just depends um i mean with you know good news bad news whiskerita is you know still tied to us which is great yeah so i'm just surprised that there have only been five that have been trademarked or at least you know there may have been more since you tried to but i mean it's it's but that's very very surprising yeah it was surprising to me but um and we got the trademark this year so I've been making whiskeritas before I even started distilling, and then my first um, my first event or second event was still on the hill in Breckenridge, and 
I had a whiskerita there for a cocktail hour, and um, and so I just didn't have the money to trademark it. And finally came around. I'm like, I'm going to trademark it. So yeah, because I know like a lot of bartenders out there are always talking about intellectual property and that sort of thing when they create something. But I, I guess they don't have they they don't really have the resources to get it trademarked. They just have to kind of shout as loud as they can. I'm the one who created it. You know. <laughs> Yeah, and the and the best thing to do if you're if you think you want to trademark it but you can't afford it at the moment or whatever is is just have history of using that and and that you know um, as long as you've got it on a menu got you know or whatever you've been using it um, like rugged refined rebellious um, we I trademarked that. Um, if you have history of using it and nobody else has and yours is your history is older than anyone else then you have a right to have that trademark um and and people can't trademark it but you have to you have to pay attention um you can always search that's the best thing to do is um before you even talk to an attorney is is go to the website and search the marks and things pop up and you know if you have a good chance or not I'm I'm curious uh, since the last time I was in Colorado, which was is going on a year and a half now. Uh, how many TV shows or movies has your product popped up in? Um, I don't know when you last were in Colorado, but um, we I've been very lucky and and very um, incredibly lucky, and and good friends have have done good things for me. So um, one of them, um, uh, Silicon Valley, uh, my friend from when we were 12 years old is a cameraman on, on Silicon Valley, um, and it showed up in there um, a few times in the background, and then finally, uh, like an opening season, it popped up in, right next to one of the leads. It was amazing. Um, our Facebook blew up. Um, and then I have a dear friend that I've known for 30 years, Sam Elliott, and he's been incredibly kind to me. And um, he's a he's an awesome friend, awesome man. And uh, I was drinking my bourbon with him at dinner at my mom's, and um, he loved it. And and I have dinner with him quite often. And um, I was um, I flew back um, in Monday. We got a phone call from the prop master of The Ranch, Netflix show The Ranch, which is based in Colorado, which is awesome. Or, or the setting is based in Colorado. There's one with Ashton Kutcher. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, where they drink all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and the prop master asked if he could, that Sam Elliott requested our whiskey. So we sent it to him, not knowing whether it was ending up on the show or ending up in his trailer. And um, I think a little of both. But it did a- end up on the show. It's um, he drinks it all the time on the ranch, um, and and it's awesome. Um, and then another friend is a wardrobe person from uh, we went to college together, SCAD, um, and she uh, was wardrobe on Ozarks, and she um, I saw her in Georgia, let her taste my whiskey, and she's like we should put it try and get this on the show and um so season three episode three Lori lenny and her brother character 
he brings out a bottle from the cabinet and it's 291 you can't see the label but you know by my bottle shape that it is 291 um he pops the cork she laughs it's really a great (laughs) scene um i do have knowledge that um uh, my friend again in season four we're in some episode i don't know which or where yet um but but she uh, the prop master really liked my whiskey and, and um, read all about me and so decided to put it on again. So I can't wait to see that. Um, so it's been, you know, it's great product placement. I haven't paid a dime for it. It's all through friends, which is lucky because of my last career. Um, and and it helps. People come into the taste room all the time and goes. You know, I want that bourbon Sam Elliott drinks on the ranch, <laughs> and I love that. So um, it's yeah, it's been an amazing thing to happen. Um, so I'm I'm curious, your you know you've celebrated ten years. What does two ninety one look like ten years from now? <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> Murray, no. <laughs> um, it's, it's interesting, right? So I started in 300 square feet, um, was the only person for three years. Um, we are 10 years and 12,000 square feet, soon to be in 26,000 square feet. Um, I've bootstrapped it, um, and, and we are 28 employees, um, which is amazing, um, and as I've gone, I've, you know, thought about selling, you know, waiting for that day when someone comes and either partners is a strategic partner or I sell out. Um, if I sell, I'm still tied to it because of my story, how much of my story is 291. Um, and, at, at, and I always was like, you know, a, a strategic partner brings generational knowledge that I don't have our um, and and starting from scratch you know with never brewing beer never distilling um, teaching myself um, I was always like okay I need that I need more knowledge from other people and as I've gotten closer to the 10 year mark and and uh, move forward it, 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 I, I'm less about that because I've been doing it and I've done so much and grown a company um, so well at the moment, knock wood. <laughs> um, and, and it's like I, I've learned a lot. I've got a lot of knowledge now. So I'm not, you know, the, the right company would have to come along, the right check would have to come along, all kinds of things like that. Um, but we are on a steep, you know, growth curve. Um, we we laugh about it or don't laugh about it i mean we we get nervous about it about this time of year every year because um you know uh 2020 we sold six pallets out of the state of colorado and uh 2021 we've sold 28 pallets out of colorado wow um and we're looking at doing um (laughs) murray's correcting me because it's we're not at the end of the month yet (laughs) but um and we're looking at selling 70 pallets out of the st- state next year, you know. Um, so we're going after it. And um, 10 years from now, 
Oh, my God. I mean, you know, a billion-dollar company making Colorado whiskey that's sold all over the world. All right. We'll see you in 10 years and check back in. Oh, yeah. No, we're going to hold them to it. (laughs) All right. You remember things, don't you? We set calendar reminders. (laughs) You're recording it. Yeah, that's right. You you can quote me. (laughs) That's our program for today. Thanks again to Michael Myers for joining us. I recently checked in with Michael, and he said that 291 is closing in on even more new markets, and they're hiring brand ambassadors and salespeople. Check out distillery291.com to learn more. Plus, check out our show notes on craftspiritsmag.com to see a link to a column Lou Bryson wrote about white whiskey that mentions Michael and 291. And as for that last season of Ozark, 291 does make an appearance. In episode 6, Laura Linney's character pours a few glasses, hands one to her daughter, and says, Good stuff. We'll be back in a few weeks. Until then, thanks for listening, and cheers. Cheers.